Hey, homie, I'm getting tired of dudes just getting over on the rasa. This is for the rasa. This is the reality dysfunction. Over here in San Antonio, man, big deal. You guys might not know about it because it's a real local type issue, but um, the local the local community college, there's a, there's a community college district, right? ACCD, Alamo Community Colleges, right? But the main one, the big one, the old one, is San Antonio College, right? Called Everybody here locally, we call it SAC, you know, San Antonio. Okay. Everybody knows. I know. Yeah. yeah. In fact, man, they used to make... Yeah, they used to make jokes about it. They used to call it San Pedro High because it was on San Pedro Street. So they were like, it's just like an extension of high school kind of thing. You know, that, that they would, you know, if you're from San Antonio, SAC has it. You know, everybody started out at SAC. Where'd you yeah. start? SAC. You know, I, everybody starts out at SAC. So uh, for the longest time, the mascot had been the Rangers, right? Like the and, Texas Rangers? Uh, yeah, like the Ranger, like the, yeah, SAC Rangers. The yeah. Rangers? So for years, people have been fighting against it and all that. And, and my God, man, they even they, they made a situation worse last year where they um, there was a lot of call to change the name and all of that and sensitivities. And the president, who is also a Latino man, also a Mexican-American dude, I don't know what he was thinking, but he thought that somehow this would calm down the anger or calm down the, the push. And they renamed the Ranger Antonio the Ranger. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah. I don't, I, don't, or something. I don't know. I, it's like, dude, you couldn't have made it worse if you wanted to. But he thought he was making it better. Like, you know, like as if the big hoopla was just about giving it an ethnic, the Ranger an ethnic name or something, you know? Well, it's also uh, so, not to get like, oh, whatever, but it's also completely ahistorical because there weren't any non-white rangers up until like the 20th century. So, and not yeah, and pretty I, late like 20th century or some shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and it's even what's even worse is the Antonio Ranger mascot. He he was dressed up like a little Zorro, like Zorro, like he had the little mask and the hat and all that. Yeah, it was ridiculous, man. People were like, "What the fuck?" You know, <laughs> like what's going on here? Anyway, yeah. that just made things worse. Uh, they've been pushing more and more, and I'm happy to say that as of, I think, uh, yesterday, SAC officially said we're discarding the mascot, the Ranger. We're not going to change it to something else, and it's no longer going to be uh, the Ranger. So, Good. Good. You know, I didn't realize that the Texas Rangers had, you know, were still so active and still had so much power to like investigate in Texas. I didn't realize that. I saw a documentary the other day, um, Outcry. Um, it was on Showtime. It was really good. It was this five-part series about this kid who when he was 18, yeah. he got accused of molestation. And ultimately, well, the documentary tells the whole story in case you watched, I won't ruin it for you. It's pretty interesting. After the fact, they called in a Texas Ranger to investigate. And man, I mean, he's, you know, he's filing for warrants. He's interviewing people. I didn't realize they had that much power. Yeah. Um, anywhere in the state, they can go in and investigate and file warrants with judges, and they'll get them. They're tasked with the public corruption thing. Yep. Yeah. What does that exactly mean, public corruption? I mean, uh, you know, if there's a thing about the judges, or like, okay, even, even it can even go down to teachers, because I know at the school I worked at a couple of years back, man, there was this scumbag uh, coach 
he had been he had been messing around with like one of the 14 year old girls there or something like that you know and they got they got wind of it they knew it was pretty true i just remember showing up to work one morning and his office was just like they put the yellow tape all around it the rangers and it was the rangers it wasn't sapd it was the rangers who went there and uh, started picking out all of his boxes the investigation and I, I guess they did it because uh i guess public you know i guess like a teacher was considered public uh whatever but they were the ones that went in there and did it you know yeah in this in this case okay like the kid i mean the overwhelming majority of evidence showed that he was you know that they didn't have enough evidence to con- convict there was um you know bad representation by a lawyer i mean and the kid's half mexican and what made it so big of a case was he was a football player and he had just gotten a full ride scholarship to UT San Antonio. Right. And so the, the Ranger, he went to court and testified basically saying, you know, that there's not enough evidence. And then like a month later or something, he totally flipped and was like, yeah, I got a, and he got a warrant and he looked at this kid's phone and saw that he had visited some porn sites and I, you know, when I'm sitting here thinking like, whoa, I'm, I'm like erasing my browser history. But I mean, no, I mean, you know what though? I, I shouldn't even say that because it sounds bad, number one. But I mean, it's yeah. like, I'm, I, don't, I don't have shame about it. I mean, I'm a male, I watch porn, big deal, right? So yeah. you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, hey. Are we recording yeah. right now, man? Yeah. 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 This kid was an 18 year old kid, right? And the Rangers basically saying that, well, it's very possible that he could have done this because he frequented porn sites every day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And he wrote this letter to the CCA, the Criminal Court of Appeals in Texas, which I don't know if you've ever heard of the Criminal Court of Appeals. Oh, yeah. Basically, yeah, if you're convicted of a crime and they don't and you're wrongfully accused or you're wrongfully convicted. If those very conservative judges don't, you know, agree to grant you some kind of relief, you're done. I mean, and, and they very rarely grant relief to anybody. But he wrote this letter after having just testified that they didn't have enough evidence on this kid. I'm talking like a month later, he writes a letter to them, the CCA, saying that, yeah, this kid could have done it because he, he looked at a lot of porn. That's also uh, bad lawyering for the, for the kid. Because any halfway decent lawyer could have gotten that like tossed or, or at least poked a bunch of holes in that, man. You know, like, oh, you know what? In the end, in the end, again, you know, hopefully it doesn't ruin for you. He did get relief. It turned out that his lawyer, um, his first lawyer, had um, defended other people that lived in the same household. He had, he temporarily lived in a household that was, um, a daycare, right? And there was like three brothers in the house. One of them exactly like him. And it turned out that the lawyer defended two out of the three brothers for sexual assault. And the brother that looked exactly like him, he had had like a dozen. After this kid got convicted of molesting like a four-year-old, it turned out that the brother that he looked like had like all these accusations. He'd been arrested like 12 times. And the last time he was arrested and convicted of rape of a 15-year-old. This kid, the kid that went to jail, he's half Mexican. 
Never, nothing. Never any problems with the law, any accusations. They even were able to show that when the crime occurred, he was gone out of the house, moved out 30 days. And they still convicted him. This is this crazy case, you know. The lawyer defended the brothers. So the law, his first lawyer knew that the brothers had committed these crimes. And she didn't even bring it up in court because it would have been a conflict of interest for her to be defending him. And, you know, anyways, it's called outcry. And because when a child accuses an adult of, of a sexual crime, that's the legal term that's used, outcry. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the Texas Rangers, they're the official mascot for the San Antonio College. They were. Yeah, they were. As of yesterday or late last week, uh, that changed after literally like decades of trying to fight it, man. Uh, a decade or some more of trying to fight, you know, to get them to change the name. So and it was only recently, I'd say, man, less than a year where the, the, um, the, the, uh, the president was, um, you know, you could tell he was kind of fence-sitting it. He was like, well, we know that there's a troubled history, but the current history of fine law officers of the Texas Reign, you know, that kind of crap, you know. <laughs> it doesn't tell the whole story, you know, uh, all of that told, kind of it, stuff. And I mean, it's just it, story. Pay, pay, no, pay, no, pay no heed to the hanging bodies, to the strange fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think that the Washington Red... Making it Antonio the Ranger, making it Antonio the Ranger is better, but whatever. <laughs> what was the name of the college again? SAC, San Antonio College. San Antonio College, all right. Yeah, it, yeah. You, if, you, if you look it up and see, you'll, you'll, you'll get the story. Okay. Do you think that the Redskins yeah, changed Yeah, because I know... Uh, Did, had anything to do with it? It's the climate. It's everything that's going on. I mean, dude, even in, even in, in, in the Dallas airport, they used to have a big old statue of a ranger in there. And uh, they just recently took it down. I want us here in Texas to start having the discussion about the problematic nature of, of, of the supposed Texas heroes, man. Like, let's talk about Davy Crockett and, and, and Bowie and, and Stephen Austin and Sam Houston. All those dudes were a bunch of Mexican-hating, you know, Indian-hating POSs. There was a kid when the, when the protests were happening here over the George Floyd incident and the Black Lives Matter, there was a kid who went and um, I don't know if you've seen the big, uh, they call it the stenograph or something, that huge statue in front of the Alamo. It's like a huge running monument. You know what I mean? It's, I, I always hated that damn thing, man. And uh, a kid, man, a kid graffitied the hell out of it during the protest. And he was like racist, white supremacist, capitalism something they wouldn't they wouldn't publish what he graffitied but it was definitely something about white supremacy and 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 all of these heroes being racist and i was like man that kid's my hero now Shit. well i'm wondering uh because i know i did see uh, uh sean sean i said she he posted on that you know he was like so what's up chicanos is the texas rangers next at the, the redskins changed or just said they were going to change did come out that you know i'm just wondering if uh, community college uh took the steps to change their name should the texas rangers be next i would love it i've always thought that man and there, there's been talk about that for for a while too uh to change it to the you know to the rangers you know but i think it'll happen but um like you know texas there man they're 
Texans are big into that history of uh, the Rangers and the Alamo and Crockett and all, like, they're not going to let a little thing like historical accuracy get in the way of their mythology, man, like at all. Right? Don't, I they teach, uh, <laughs> don't they teach uh, Texas mythology for a semester in uh, high school or, or middle school or something? Oh, man, you get, I mean, you get brainwashed with that shit from the beginning, man. Like, I distinctly remember it. And, um, honestly, man, that's what got me started on my, on my journey here, man is I realized how much bullshit they taught us in, in Texas history. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I was going to say in Michigan, you know, we've got CMU, mm-hmm. um, Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan changed their name from the Hurons a long time ago, the name of an actual tribe. Central Michigan has said they're not planning on changing at all. I don't think the Saginaw Chippewa tribe has, you know, come out against the name, you know, but I know what the casino Indians will say. They probably say they don't care, give us money and we'll, we'll okay it or whatever. Um, but they said they're not making any changes at all. But one thing I wanted to bring up is that in Saginaw, we have an island called Ojibwe Island, you know, named after the Ojibwe, Ojibwe tribe. There's a monument on that island that's getting a lot of talk right now. Let me read you what, um, what it says, there's a, a stone marker. It says, dedicated to the memory of Henry Nouvelle. Um, Nouvelle High School is a, is a, here in Saginaw. It's a high school I went to. It's a Catholic high school. Pretty big sports mill here in the area. And it says, first white man in the Saginaw Valley offered mass on the banks of this river, December 3rd, 1675. So there's like all these discussions now in like the city council meetings. It's like, because people don't, I mean, I don't know what you guys think of that wording, just the way it says it. People don't like that it says first white man in the Saginaw Valley. Oh, I mean. Because it's making it really historically significant. Like there weren't a bunch of Indians here already, you know, well, but I don't know. No, I, I don't think that, I mean, well, first of all, I don't care about that marker or the fact that he was the first white yeah. man to offer mass. I mean, if you ask me, that's a good reason to pull the whole thing down. But. I don't think that the statement is it doesn't sound infactual. I mean or unfactual. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a factual statement. Right? Yeah, because yeah. he probably was the first white man to offer mass in the in in that yeah. area, right? My question is, is that something well, that why should, is there a Well yeah, is it something that should be celebrated? You yeah. know, I think that it's all of these like sports teams that have these logos, it's almost cliche at this point to say that it's like denigrating to people. But it is. I think that a lot of the things that have happened in the last four years have really set up the atmosphere for making these changes. Because you remember the Redskins owner, he just said a few years ago, we will never change the name. Never. Yeah. Correct. Right. I, I, I don't know. You know. Big things happening. One of the things that must be pointed out, though, is with the Redskins name change, Nike dropped them from their uh, selling any of their merchandise online. And so did Amazon. So I think, you know, getting some of those retailers to drop the merchandise, I think that had to be, have been a major, major. So, uh, but FedEx in regard, too, right? yeah, at least three big ass sponsors were like, yeah, yeah. FedEx owns, owns the naming rights on the field. They're the ones that started the push. True. And then I guess Nike and Amazon jumped in afterwards. But I mean, that those are the reasons why, I mean, if those companies had 
you know, said, hey, we're not going to give you any more money, then it'd probably still be the Redskins. And I think that's that's because of the agitation, though. They realize yeah, yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I mean, their analysts are like, we're better off being on this side of the issue. So, you know. Yeah, and let's not forget the NFL with Colin Kaepernick and their yeah. fumble on that regards. You know, they, they're, they're trying to do some serious damage control. Isn't that funny how they're coming out now? And they're all like, oh, we were wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that they said that or that they're trying to do that damage control or whatever, but do they just look so insincere, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just terrible. And, you know, I think what's really interesting, too, is that the riots that just took place, you know, lots of times people were, they would try to categorize them as they were providing analysis. Is like, oh, you know, I don't know where this came out of and all this other kind of stuff, but even like in Michigan, I know that my wife, when she was in high school in, in the 90s, I mean, she was um, fighting against the Big Reds where she went to school at in Port Huron, you know. And so, I mean, these sort of anti-Indigenous um, mascot campaigns, I think I said that right, they've been going on for a really long time. And I mean, it's there's, there's a lot of really good work that's been done. A lot of good work that, yeah, all across the country. Agreed. You know, and that makes me even think about when Baggy, since you brought up the 90s, when people began bringing up the whole Taco Bell, run for the border, the Chihuahua and all that, and how how much it has changed, the perspectives on it. Because back then, it was everybody like, oh, come on, get over it. It's a dog. It's a gimmick. It's, you know, it's just, they're just trying to sell tacos. Here we are now, right? 2020. But are they just trying to sell tacos? I don't think that they're just, they're, I don't think that they are. I mean, they, I'm sure I, they want to sell them. I think people realize that. Well, yeah. I wanted to get back to Todd's point. I read uh, some on the Facebook because of about that pawpaw thing. I mean, that was a lot of work by a lot of activists for over a lot of years. I mean, it was our, our what's her name? Shaman Beltran from EMU, who probably had a hand in the whole uh, change from the uh, Hurons to the Eagles. But she was rolling down from from Ipsy, Ipsy Ann Arbor area to Pawpaw, which is not a short distance. You know, that's a probably what hour and a half, two hour drive each way. Pawpaw to Pawpaw to Ypsilanti. Yeah, probably two closer to two, two and a half. Yeah, you're going all the way from the west end of the state to the east end. Yeah, so it's a good drive. I mean, you just jump on 94, but still, yeah, a hell of a drive. You know, she was going there and testifying, and she's, you know, a doctorate or a PhD. I mean, Maria had a much shorter drive. You know, she was just up the street, but she was there, you know, and so it was a lot of work over at least, what, four or five years mm-hmm. in Pawpaw. Yeah, it was about it was about five years. And, the, and those white people were, they were dead set against it. I mean, there was a yeah. lot of what, yeah, they, they were. They were pissed. Yeah. They and those against, those Confederate oh, flags were, were flying. They were they were flying all over the place, but you know it's just a part of their heritage, man. It's not like an yep. implicit threat or anything like that, you know. No, no, no. no. So let me ask this question: Is it is it just about the image? Is it just about the logo, the image, or is it the name itself? And the reason I ask that is, you know, we have Kansas City Chiefs. But their logo is just an arrowhead with KC in it. So is that all right? And I haven't heard too much talk about that one. So is it just 
you know, the images we're referring that are the I issue. That's more nuanced. Hand, I mean, if, like I mentioned together. earlier when we were talking about the Blackhawks, you know, is it the, you know, the, the big nose, dark red uh, Blackhawk they have right now, as opposed to that one that's been proposed where it's the Eagle, which are the Blackhawk that looks really, looks to me like a good logo, you know, but, but I don't know if that's my call. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that one. But yeah, it's anybody hear anything else? That, that's yeah, definitely more new. I think that there are a lot of things that you can name athletic teams. I think it's some weak ass stuff when people are like, we're honoring indigenous people or we're honoring native people. It's weak because it doesn't take into account the trauma, the genocidal trauma that has taken place. I think it also is very ahistorical in the sense that for many white people, uh, you know, I mean, for many people in this country, Native people or indigenous people are relegated always to the past. And in that relegation, they are constantly shadowed within defeat and within conquer. I think it's a, you could say the same thing about our community in the sense that we're constantly the immigrant. We are constantly the, the foreigner, constantly the outsider. I don't think it's quite, I don't think it's a good thing. I think the name, the imagery, all of that is uh is racist, and I think that it celebrates white supremacy in the truest sense of its almost complete accomplishment of the genocide of Native people in North America. Yeah, it is It is kind of that, uh, a perpetuation of that whole uh, both noble savage and tragic hero, that mythization of a conquered people. So yeah, I can see that. Now, what about this other thought is you know, when you look at most logos, sports team logos, the few that do have uh, images, people, there's a definitely a male domination. Are there any logos out there that pay that tribute to women? I'm just thinking, are, should there be more teams with a feminine twist to them? I don't know. Hmm. I don't think there's any representation in like women's professional sports. I'm trying to think of the WNBA teams. Yeah, yeah I don't think have a name like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've heard people say that they should just have like, um, and I think it's a good way to avoid problems. Just have non-human mascots. Yeah, you know. Why, why name a group? Why this? Why, you know, whatever. Just have a non-something else. And I think that's a good way to avoid problems. It's a good way to, I mean, to kind of say, jump on what Ernesto was saying is like, I mean, I think it was, it's um, an effort to just like further dehumanize the people. When you look at all the mascots and you look at all the uh, the portrayals, I mean, the worst, the most egregious one was probably the Redskins. That, that was just as... Wow. I don't see how anybody could argue that that wasn't, I mean, man, that's just pretty bad. But if you look at all of them, like the Atlanta Braves, you know, these are all these caricatures. These are all these kinds of um, dehuman. Regardless, it has a dehumanizing effect. And that ties in with not trying to acknowledge the actual, the genocide that occurred to Native people. And then now you're going to make this kind of like little caricature mascot of them. It, yeah, I want them to get rid of all of them. The Braves, the Chiefs, the, the, get rid of all of them, man. They serve no purpose. I think one of, the, one of the things, too, that 
if we kind of take this out and we look at it, I mean, we sort of expand out the way that we're that we're thinking about this. Okay, I mean, the question that we would have to really ask ourselves is, how come we don't have teams that satirize what it means to be white in the United right. States? Right. Right. Because we can come up with all sorts of names, of you know, like I remember back, I don't know how long ago it was. It was a while ago. And I read this article, this native dude at this college, he created an intramural basketball team called the Fighting Whites, right? And it had this picture of like a Ward Cleaver type with a, with a pipe. And some people go really upset about that, but most people just thought it was a joke. See, that's the point. How is it? How do you really make fun of white people? How do you really satirize white people in a way that's demeaning? Somebody give it a shot. Because sure, we can make fun of, you know, white yeah. boys can't jump, white boys can't dance, you know, and all this other, but it's always a joke. It's always a joke, right? Because there is actually no way to really to really do that. The only way that you can really say mean things about white people is in their association with people who aren't white. But with these logos, with these team logos, it's a way of honoring people. It's a way of like talking about like how brave they are, you know, as if that's what, you know, Native people are, right? Native people are warriors. They're brave. You know, they have this fighting spirit. Somehow they are in uh, communion with the world around them. You know, it's like this fetishizing, essentializing of their nature. And that's, that's the point, right? Because it's impossible to do that with white folks. And so what we're really talking about is like hegemony. We're talking about how one group of people is up here. It's easy to think of them as being all of these things, right? They're, they're complete people. But the rest of us, we're not, we're not complete people, right? I mean, you think about the way that Black people in this country are essentialized down into certain things, you know? We talk about the way that Mexicans or Latinos are essentialized down into certain things, and then we become those things. So therefore, it's easy to poke fun at us or to denigrate us based on those essentialized characteristics. But it's almost impossible to do that with white people. For those who are listening, if you don't believe me, take five minutes out of your day and write down all the, all the terrible words that you can think of to describe white people. And then write down all the terrible words that you can think of to describe Mexicans or black people. I guarantee you that if you're very honest when you're doing it, that you will be shocked by the differences in the words and what they mean and how um, you react to them viscerally. I think it's a big part of this whole thing with the mascots. Yeah, and I think you touched back a little bit to my point and why I said, well, where are the women, you know, positive figures of women in to this point in the logos and there's not you know even when you think about teams like the buccaneers is that a positive or a negative right seems to connotate more towards the neutral not non-negative right not a thief not a plunder or savage images are powerful images are so powerful is that something that can be used towards an advantage or towards you know, making a point because of the, their prominence and the role, you know, the, the role that we give them in societies. 
I mean, how many of us know somebody who didn't go to college, but they got all the college gear and not just for one college, for several, you know, they'll be head to foot decked out. It's true. I got a couple ideas for uh, mascots for teams named after white people. One is a uh, big jar of mayonnaise. Uh, the second is a big uh, pan of potato salad with marshmallows in it. Raisins. I know those are both food. I'm just trying to think. Uh, <laughs> Why are you thinking mascots? about food, Danny? Yeah, no, I'd say it. You know, what represents whiteness? What about those bolillos? Yeah, what about um, the Washington Pale Faces? <laughs> I could give you names that we could call Mexicans that nobody would, would bring a smile to nobody's face. <laughs> right? There would be no chuckling, right? <laughs> so it's, I think that's, that's the point, though, is that it's hard to – it is realistically hard to make fun of white people without mm-hmm. having – without it being humorous somehow, because it's just so overwhelmingly ridiculous in our mind that there's actually something bad about them, even though we know right. that's, we know that that's true. Right. I mean, you uh-huh. could, and there, go ahead. There's Sorry. no, there's also no, there's also no, like, um, though those names, if you were to try to flip it sometimes and like, you know, use names against white people, they have no institutional, history right right i mean it was it was institutions that would use these names towards mexicans towards african-americans they have a they have a weight of the society behind them right in a way that people of color or or other different groups besides white people it just doesn't carry the same like sting because there is not that whole institutional weight behind it you know what i mean yeah um He's kind of problematic, but you know, there's Louis Louis C.K. does a whole skit about that. He talks exactly about how big deal. You can't call white people like, what's the worst thing you have? What cracker? Oh, that's so horrible. That's what is that? A cracker? That's so bad. You know, and he's kind of making fun of it. Like that doesn't hurt. I mean, you're a, a cracker. Wow, whatever. You know, um, and he kind of makes he kind of mentions that. Talks about how it's not the same. But I, I think that's one of the reasons because there's not that institution. That they're not where the whole society kind of diminished this group by calling them these names and portraying them in this way. What yeah. about the word um, honky? What's the, I mean, I guess I don't know, like the history of George Jefferson made it popular. What, I mean, what's the history of that word? Um, it seems like it has a negative connotation, but I, I honestly have no idea. I think it's what they used to call Hungarian people. Anybody? when they first started coming over to the United States. I read that somewhere. When my dad was getting near the end of his career teaching, uh, they would get the uh, old pictures, you know, and you all remember old pictures that weren't digital, either Polaroids or, uh, or regular photos on photo paper. And the- uh, I have some of those. Caucasian people would, they would tend to fade out of the picture just through age, you know, on some of those pictures. Mm-hmm. And so my dad would look at his coworkers because let's face it back then, most of them were, were Caucasian. He would just look at them and go, see, this is, this is why, uh, why you people are ghost people and why you have no souls. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> okay. Cause if so you I think, if you, if you think I'm sarcastic, 
Yeah. Trust me, I I I am only a pale shadow. Yeah. <laughs> Lupe's on a whole nother. So level. in reference to the word uh to the word honky, it says uh honky may be a variant of hunky, which was a derivative of bohunk, a slur for various Slavic and Hungarian immigrants who moved to America from the Austro-Hungarian Empire in the nineteen hundreds. And the term did not become predominantly it became popularized by H. Rap Brown in the late 1960s. But even that, I, I mean, and that's, that's, but even that is an example of a group of people becoming white. I mean, when they first got here, they were different. They were Slavic. They were all these other things. But over a period of time, you know, they became white. My wife, Jess, her mother is Anishinaabe Ojibwe. Her dad is, um, her dad is basically Hungarian. His dad immigrated here from Hungary in, you know, the early middle part of the, um, of the 20th century, you know, and believe me when I say that that whole family thinks of themselves as white. I mean, that is absolutely how they think of themselves. So it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing, you know, because even within that word, there is a, there's a pathway to acceptance that does not exist with words like Redskin or Braves or Chief. I mean, Chief, that shit is fucking, it's just stupid. I mean, when I hear people say that, it just makes me want to punch them in the face, you know, you know, or Beaner or Wetback. I mean, what if they wanted it to be, you know, the Texas, I don't know, the Texas Beaners. I mean. Remember the coffee shop up in uh, Lansing, right? Yeah, Beaners. Beaners, yep. right? They, that was their name when they came out, was Beaners. And then, you know, they reacted quickly to it, right? Yeah. They did end up changing. Well, I don't know if it was necessarily quicker. The The original shop was, was a block or two away from the downtown uh, AT&T location. And so I actually regularly interacted with the owner and stuff. And I think he was making a play on Coffee Bean. Yeah. However, he passed away. You know, um, and then it kind of became more corporatized, but they wanted to change it from a regional coffee establishment to a national coffee establishment. And when they examined that, they were like, oh, oh, this, yeah, this won't work. You know, well, it was beaners for at least a few years, right? Yeah, at least five, five, ten years, years probably. Really? Yeah. 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 It wasn't a short thing. It was, no. and it was, it was, it was a play on coffee bean, but. Yeah. But when they wanted to, when they had aspirations of getting outside of Michigan or the Midwest, they were like, yeah, this isn't going to fly. And all of a sudden, Bigby showed up. It might seem like there's a, there's a tenuous connection to things like the Redskins or the, the Chiefs or, you know, you know, the Braves or whatever. Um, a tenuous connection between names like that and like the real violence that's perpetrated on indigenous people in this country. But I actually don't really think it's tenuous at all. I think that there's a, a direct line between, um, you know, the denigration and the disappearance, right, of a whole group of people into, you know, the historical ether and the way that indigenous women disappear and have disappeared at an alarming rate across all of North America, Mexico, the United States, and Canada, the way that indigenous people are murdered in the streets, right, by the police, the things that are happening right now, even as we, like, 
see one of the things I've noticed as a result of a lot of the stuff that's happened around the George, George Floyd murder is this just like surge of what seems like violence towards the Chicano indigenous community. I mean, you're certainly seeing more of it being reported, right? People being shot to death, especially here in Arizona. There's been like three or four just outright almost executions of Chicanos down in the Phoenix area within the last month. People sitting in their cars in their driveway and the police just shoot them. And, you know, maybe it has to do with people wanting to like expose it more. But I think that anytime we're engaged as a society in that sort of like character characterization in that sort of like essentialization of a whole group of people that's very easy to to dehumanize them you know to to make it okay because i mean they're not real we're not really real we're just these we're we're this image not human we're yes. just uh we're just drug mules and uh you yeah. know criminals exactly. and gang members and farm workers so, right yeah. yeah you all remember yeah. hearing about illegal tacos in philly that was the name. They ended up changing their name this year. Was it last, this year or last year? Well, last year, I believe. Within two years, too, they also ended up changing their name. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a long strain of, of dehumanizing certain people. And, 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 you know, sometimes it's done under this guise of humor or whatever or these humorous depictions, but they're not. Humor can be used for violent means, you know, mockery and dehumanization. And, uh, and of course, it also allows the person perpetuating that or the, or the institutions doing that, it allows them a convenient little wiggle room, right? It's just a joke. It's just such a lighten up. Yeah. Up. You guys take yourself too seriously. Oh, my God. You know, that, that's the whole attack, the, the right wing's attack on, on, on political correctness. You know, we're tired of political correctness. What they're tired of is getting called out for their racist bullshit. And so they... they they present these weak little arguments like it's a joke or, or my God, everybody's so offended. You can't do, you can't have any fun anymore because everybody's offended. But if you look at what they're doing and who they're doing it to and who's the, the butt of the joke all the time and how that butt of the joke is always portrayed, it goes back to a long line of dehumanization. Man, there's a, there's a great book. Shit, let me check it out here, man. I just got it not too long ago, actually. If you want to see a long history of it, man, The Forbidden Book. What it does, what it's actually about is all the cartoons and all the portrayals of Filipinos and the, uh, during the Filipino War. But it's not just exclusively to the Filipinos. There's, there's stuff where it goes into immigration and immigrants and all of that. And anybody who, who wants to try to say that cartoons or portrayals uh, of people don't, can't be used as dehumanizing propaganda, man, you got to check out that book. You know, well, I think if, if we examine it, if we look at it, it's like every generation, right? A generation's what, 20 years or so, right? Yep. Every single generation, there's a wave or a push against, well, against Mexicans or quote Latinos or whatever. I mean, the 30s, the 50s, the 70s, the 90s, now. I mean, right. Let's go. Let, let's go with now. And, and you know who my concern is today? Netflix. How many shows on narcos and, you know, you got them bad hombres being out there, right? I mean, think about a couple years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Who's the bad guy out there? Is that Middle East terrorist, right? And all of a sudden, you know, the whole, you know, focus on the terrorist has kind of been pushed aside. And now there's 
I don't know how many different telenovelas, series, movies, right? That has in some way a negative portrayal of Mexicans as gangsters, dangerous, right? And I would even push it to the point of seeing them as terrorists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's a there's an author out there, Alfredo Jalife, right, from Mexico City, a geopolitical analysis. And he wrote a book talking about the Palestinization of the Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, that article that I sent you guys, and, and anybody who is listening, if you want to get a copy of this article, if you write to me, I'll be happy to send it to you too. But the Huntington article about the Hispanic challenge basically lays out the same thing, right? And mm-hmm. what's really interesting is that um, Huntington probably, like right at the end of the 90s, he wrote a book called The Clash of Civilizations. And in that book, what he said was that the, that the, the next greatest threat to American democracy would be the Islamic world. And then we see what happens from the end of the 90s until... Well, that's still happening even right now, right? As we look at, what is it, 20, 21 years of war in Afghanistan? I mean, how how is that even possible that we have been at war in Afghanistan for 20, 21 years? I mean, it's mind-blowing, but we don't even actually really think about it. What Hunting is saying in this article, The Hispanic Challenge, and in the book that he subsequently subsequently wrote after that called who we are he's saying that if we don't stop and when he means we he's very he very explicitly means white anglo-saxon protestants in the united states if we don't stop this influx of people coming from latin america they will irreparably subvert the nature of the united states and they will change it from a white anglo-saxon protestant country to a Latin American country. And that article comes out in 2004. Now, what's really interesting is that in 2008, you see all these Im- huge grim- immigration marches. Was it 2008? It was 2008. 2006. Right. And then immediately after that, right, what you see is massive deportations that start happening. Okay. These things are, are not a coincidence, right? And, you know, and again, some people may say, well, how does, what does that have to do with you know, with mascots and sports and everything, but it has everything to do with it. Like you said earlier, Francisco, I mean, look at Colin Kaepernick. If it didn't have anything to do with it, then why is it a problem if he kneels? You know, I mean, they didn't even start doing the Pledge of Elite or the National Anthem. The teams weren't even out on the field until like the early 2000s after they started this war in, um, or they started sending troops to Afghanistan because the army paid the NFL, like a huge amount of money to have the the players come out and be there because they wanted to like pick up the patriotism, you know, theme of it and all of that. I mean, everywhere we go in this world, we bomb other brown people, right? We bring out sports teams. Our military pays the owners of sports teams to bring their teams out to increase patriotism. We have teams that are named after people that we think that we, that we, as like the white United States, that they think that they've defeated. They think those people are gone, right? They're, they're just, you know, we can just say whatever we want to about them. We can draw pictures and they, we can make them look however they want. We want them to. 
because they don't exist anymore. And thousands of indigenous women continue to disappear. You know, nobody, nobody knows what's happened to them. I mean, sure, you could say, well, Mexico, United States, Canada. But if you take all three of those and put them together, I mean, look at what's happened in Juarez over the past mm-hmm. 15 and 20 years. I mean, how, how, is that, how is that possible? Here in the United States and in Canada, too, hundreds of women just gone. All these things flow together. I think the biggest challenge that we have in this conversation is figuring out how not to let other people force us into talking about these things as separate issues, right? Because once we start talking about them as separate issues, then a whole bunch of stuff, you know, gets up in the air about whether or not they're really related to each other. They're absolutely each other. They are all symptoms of settler colonialism. All right, everybody. So... What are you naming the Redskins? What What is Washington going to be now? Give us your name. The Pale Faces. Pale faces. <laughs> I was going to say the, I was going to say the Pecker Woods, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've talked before about my love of uh, black shows from the seventies and eighties, so I, I I'm partial to Honky. <laughs> All right. I got I got another one. How about Blue Eyed Devils? Blue-eyed the Washington Blue Eyed Devils. I like that. I can see that logo, right? Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. going to go with the hipsters or the gentrifiers, right? Ooh. Gentrifiers. I like the hipsters. That's good. Yeah. The Washington yeah. hipsters. Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. They can wear a little, they were a little or, beady cap. Or the lobbyists. Lobby. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Another we'll great see, show. See you guys next week. All right. Later. All right. Later. See you. Hey, homie. I'm getting tired of dudes just getting over on the rasa. This is for the rasa. This is the reality dysfunction.